going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to do my song now. Uh, I'm, I just can't find my ribbons. Uh, well, I'm just, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we welcome you. This is our annual Easter service. It's an exciting service to be a part of. And um, it's, this is not just our Easter service. We are doing something special today. We are starting our, our new series called Growing Up. And it's an exciting new series that's going to help us to grow big faith. The kind of faith that honors God and the kind of faith that helps us to get over circumstances and barriers, difficulties and traumas, uh, uh, nightmares and difficult situations. See, because in truth, when we're walking through life, I don't know about you, but you need faith. Isn't it true? That sometimes in marriage, you need faith. Sometimes as you're raising your kids, you need faith. So we're going to talk about that, and this is just the first week. Now, if this is your first time here at NBT, our sermons are a little bit different. Our talks, our services, if you, just in case you haven't noticed, they're a little bit different than what you're used to. What usually, you'll go to a sermon, and there'll be like six points, and you're supposed to memorize them, apply them, all by next week. We don't do that. What we do is we have a, a theme, and coming in the first week is like the first chapter of a book. And then if you want to hear the rest of the chapters in the book, you got to come for the rest of the series. So I'm going to encourage you to come for the rest of the series. Don't let it just be a, an Easter thing. But um, in front of you, before I actually start speaking, uh, uh, getting into the sermon, in front of you, there is a yellow card. I want everybody to take, if you've been here, is this your first time here? I want you to take out that yellow card. If you've been here for 50 years, I want you to take out that yellow card. Okay. Take out that yellow card. If there's, it's one right either. It's, if it's not in front of you, it's in your bulletin. I'm sorry. I should have said in your bulletin. Right? And uh, it's a yellow card. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're a first-time visitor, we have a gift for you. If you're a first-time visitor, we have a gift for you. What I want you to do is, in order to get that, I, I need you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. Okay? Just as much as you feel comfortable. We will not solicit you for finances. We won't. Uh, you know, try to hit you up for any type of... We don't do that. We're not that kind of church. But what I do want you to do is start to fill it out. You can go ahead and start. If you don't have a pen, there's a pencil in front of you. Start to fill it out now. The reason that I want you to start to fill it out now is because um, we're going to be picking those up in the offering. So you can either start filling them out now, or if this sermon gets really boring, you can start filling them out then, and uh, you can feel comfortable with that. But I, I encourage you to start filling them out and uh, getting your information. Big, big important stuff is um, your name, your email, your phone number, address. These are, these are big things so we can communicate with you. We tell you like, you know, when we're having movie night and it's a free popcorn night and you just can come out. Or if we're having marriage classes or in these times when sometimes we have financial courses to, you know, learn how to budget and deal with your finances a little better. You want to show up to these things. And you, want, you, you won't be able to show up if you don't know. So you want, to be stay, you want to stay in the loop. So go ahead and fill that stuff out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. And, uh, and then we'll get started with the sermon. Amen? Amen? All right. Father, I am so grateful that you are with us and that you love us and that you would remind us that you care so much that you just won't stay far. Father, I, I know that many people have come in here and there's their first time and they're nervous, they don't know what to expect already, their weird meter has already been, you know, tweaked out. And Lord, I just pray that you would just comfort them to hear your word. Father, I also pray that you would uh, move in the hearts of those that are here who drove in on an argument and they're upset and, 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 and their marriage is not going so well. Father, I pray for those who are listening to this on the podcast, that whether they're in their car or in their home, or running, or, or walking around, or whatever they're doing, sitting at their office, Lord, that you would touch them, move in their heart, regenerate their heart, draw them to yourself. Father, I pray that you would move in a special way in this service so that many people would uh, reclaim a relationship with you. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you've already done. Remind us, oh God, that you're here with us now, and that you'll be with us evermore. 
For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, in this series, uh, Growing Up, it's going to be six weeks. I'm really uh, uh, looking forward to how uh, God will help us to grow during this series. But before we get into how God grows our faith, we have to have faith to begin with. I know that many of you who have come here today at one time connected with God. Maybe it was as a little child you were sent to church or something like that, and you felt some sort of connection. Maybe as an adult, you connected with Jesus, and you, you thought to yourself, this, I, I want to pursue Jesus. Maybe, maybe you had a friend that um, uh, brought you to church or told you about Jesus. You know, I had a friend. I'll tell you his name. His name is Eric Penzichek. I know I mispronounce his last name all the time. Eric, right? Eric was in my funk band. I know you, you find it difficult to believe that I was in a funk band, but I was, and I was very cool. Much cooler than I am now, right? And so I was in this funk band, and of course I played guitar, right? Because, you know, if you're going to be in a funk band, you might as well play guitar. And so I played guitar, and I had really, really long hair. I know it's difficult to imagine that, but I had really long, like as long as my daughter's hair. So it's like really long hair. And so I was just very cool, and I was like, funk. And I was like, yeah, man, wish, uh, you know, that kind of dude. And, um, and there was this guy in my band who would talk to me about Jesus, have you ever had one of those annoying people who talk to you about Jesus? Some of you invited, you invited you here, right? Some of them invited you here, right? You're like, all right, leave me alone already. Well, I'm glad you're here. Some of them promised you breakfast. You know, uh, it's no reflection on us if they don't buy. And um, so, right, they, they invited you here. And you, you just said, you know what? I'm going to go to church because they're asking me. But God always sends someone to introduce us to himself. God always sends someone to have his glory be known to us, always. And as we start to pursue God, there are questions that come up. And for those of us who don't really have a strong faith, those of us who don't really have a a solid faith, we have questions, don't we? Hey, if God is so good, why is there evil in the world? Hey, listen, if God is good, why did I get molested? When I was six years old. If God is all powerful, why didn't he stop these things? Real questions. And they're barriers to your faith. I'm not going to pretend to answer all of them, but I understand. And here's one more. Jesus understands. Some of us have, you know, we, we, we did the faith thing. And we came into a church similar to this one. And we started to come around and we just didn't know the rules and the regulations and the traditions and the stand, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Like, what do you do, right? You know, and you just didn't know how to, how to be and, and, and like, what do you do? And, and, and you just felt out of place. And then people judged you because of the way you dressed or the way you talked. And you weren't polished, you know. And you just felt burned by the church. Bunch of hypocrites, that's what you said. And that's a barrier to faith. I understand. But more importantly, Jesus understands. Some of us, some of us got a hold of Jesus and loved him. And then he didn't answer us the way we wanted to. And it wasn't like our prayer was evil or sinful. It wasn't like our prayer was wrong or bad. It was a good prayer. God, help my kid get better. And the kid got worse. God, help help my wife to get pregnant. And she's barren. God, get them off this bed of affliction. And they died. There are heartbreaks and boundaries and things that prevent us from growing towards Jesus. There are moments in our lives broken and we say, God, you let me down. God, you don't have my back. You know? And you start praying and then something dawns on you. That if God was God, he could have prevented all this heartache from the beginning. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in prayers where I'm just angry at God. Have you ever been angry at God? 
I'm talking about the prayer. I'm not talking about real pretty prayers where you sit down and, oh, thou Father, who is grand and glorious, who putteth the stars in the sky. I'm not talking about those prayers. I'm talking about roll up your sleeves. Yo, something's going to happen in this piece. I need some help now. You know, those kinds of prayers. And, and I've been in prayers where I'm just broken and crying. And I'm like saying, we need money to pay the rent. And why am I even telling you this? You know, you could have provided the money before the nightmare happened, before the bills came in. So why do I have to come back to you to ask you for what you could have provided? Because you know everything. Why am I going through this? And here's all I want you to know. I understand. But more importantly than that, Jesus understands. And I won't be able to answer all your questions. But Jesus wants to start you on a journey of faith that can maybe get some of those questions answered and maybe help you get through those dark moments. You know, we're not the only ones. You know why I love the Bible? I love the Bible. I love, I mean, L-O-V-E, love the Bible. I read it and it speaks. And let me tell you why I love the Bible. One of the reasons is because it doesn't tell me the way things should be. It tells me the way things really are. And there was a man who, in the Bible, the, the Bible writes about him. And his faith broke down. And his faith wavered. And he was supposed to have a deep relationship with Jesus. And he just walked away from it all. His name is Peter. And you know what's funny? Like when it, the Bible is the only holy book that you read about the heroes blowing it big time. Right? I mean, you don't hear any. Like if you, know, if you, if you go to a mosque, don't say nothing bad about Muhammad. You could get in a lot of trouble. Right? If, you, if, you, if you're a Buddhist and you're in a temple, don't say nothing wrong about Buddha. He had a little weight problem, but don't say that. Because you get in a lot of trouble. But Christianity holds up its heroes, warts and all. You know why I love that? Because you're not the only one with imperfect faith. And even the heroes of the faith had imperfect faith. And because of that, we can find our niche in Christ. Christ is not looking for perfect people. If he were, there would be, you know, can we all go home now? I mean, if we just, honestly, if you, if you wanted me to be perfect, I can't even iron right. You know what I mean? I can't even, like, you know, I, I can't even, like, I, I can't even do the things that I want to do right. I don't do anything perfect. And I bet I'm not the only one. I bet you do, too. I bet you do things imperfect. I bet you want to believe in God, and then you don't. I bet you want to trust God for your marriage, but sometimes you don't. I bet some of you right now are going through such a difficult time in your marriage that there's a person in your job who's speaking those sweet nothings. You know, oh, you look so pretty. To oh, go on. You know how that goes, right? And your affections start going, and you go, God, I believe you. You can change this marriage around. But and then you waver. Some of you are in Christ and you want to forgive those who have hurt you. But every now and then you remember what they did to you and you get so mad and you waver. The Bible tells us stories about men who wavered and they weren't perfect, but Jesus loved them and Jesus knew them and Jesus wanted to touch their lives. Our story begins with Jesus calling Peter. Now, this is a pretty cool thing because the story is going to begin with Jesus calling Peter from a boat and it's going to end with Jesus calling Peter from a boat. And it's going to ask Peter to walk with Jesus. Well, let me tell you Peter's story, but before I do, um, I want you to hear this song. It's called Lead Me to Calvary. And as the singers come up, I'm going to, I want you to just, as you listen to the words, I'm going to come back up and tell you the story about Peter's relationship with Jesus. It might mirror some of your own. 
So I want you to just kind of sit there and uh, listen to the song, and I'll be back in just a few minutes. I'll make you, and he does this cool play on words, fishers of men. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever heard? I'd follow a guy who started with a line like that. I'd, I'll make you from a fisherman to a fisher of men. And Peter gives up the family business, leaves everything behind, a lucrative business to provide for his family, and he just follows Jesus. And boy, is he rewarded. He gets to see Jesus do incredible miracles. He is a part of a pivotal moment in time that will never be duplicated. The, the moments were so great that history is split from B.C. to A.D. And he was a part of it. And it was awesome. He saw Jesus. Could you imagine this? He saw Jesus take a kid's lunch and spread it out to so many people. 5,000 one time and he saw it a second time. 4,000 the second time. And they had leftovers. He saw Jesus, he saw Jesus make the blind see. He saw Jesus make the lame walk. He saw Jesus heal the sick. He saw Jesus rise. Listen, when the dude you're following can help people rise from the dead, you are on the winning team, okay? All right, you're going in the right direction. Peter saw all this and was amazed and was boldened by Jesus. Jesus gave him strength to do things he never thought possible. But there was a problem. In Peter's theology, there was no room for a suffering Savior. He didn't even have a category for a suffering Savior. You know how we just sung, uh, uh, lead me to Calvary? Because we don't want to forget the sacrifice of God on the cross. Right, right, watch this. Peter had no such category. The Messiah that Peter was going to follow was supposed to conquer political realms. He was supposed to win the day. See, Peter had received false religious information. I wonder if you can identify. He had received false religious information that guided him to believe about Jesus, things that weren't true about Jesus. Some of you can identify with Peter. You grow up in different backgrounds and you come up in different ideas and thoughts and they're not at all the Jesus of the Bible. And because of that, you've distanced yourself from the true Jesus. But he, he had no category. And he had been conditioned to believe that when you believe in Jesus, everything goes perfect. That when you believe in Jesus, everything is well. When the Messiah comes, all pain and sorrow will cease. When the Messiah comes... Everything will be great. He thought that he was a part of that team. And what he did not understand were the scriptures that said, no, this Messiah must first suffer and die. It was the penalty for sin. Now, sin is not a word that we use a whole lot. And you don't, you don't say, pass the salt. Oh, by the way, you're a sinner. We don't do that, right? It's like death and sin. Not, we're not talking about either one of those, right? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that I, because of my sin, am doomed to an eternity away from Jesus. God, in the end, says there's only two types of people. God, in the end, says there are two types of people. One, that those people who believe in Jesus and say, thy will be done. There are those types of people who surrender to Jesus and follow Jesus and, and love him as God and Lord and Savior. And then there's a second kind of person, the one that God says to them, thy will be done. Go ahead, do your thing then. We have a choice. And Peter had a choice to follow Jesus or turn from Jesus. He promised he would never leave him. Never leave him. In fact, he said, these other guys, they might leave you. Me, I won't leave you. And to prove it, when they, came to pick up uh, when they came to pick up Jesus, the authorities, he took out a sword. This dude, you know, this dude was a bad man. Peter, you know, he was a bad man. Took out a sword 
and went, you know, let me tell you something. He wasn't aiming for the guy's ear. He was aiming for his head or his throat and just lunged at the guy. And the guy moved, you know, in such a way where he cut off his ear. But, you know, don't fret. Jesus, you know, healed him. Probably gave him an upgrade. No big deal. You know, right? And so I don't want you to get worried about it, right? You know, don't, don't take out your sir. All right? But, but after that, Peter ran away. And Jesus said, hey, listen, three times you're going to deny me. Three times. And he says, you know what? These guys will deny you. I'll never deny you. Prove it. Pulls off a sword. Tries to cut off somebody's head. Doesn't do it. You know, all that stuff happens. Then... He's close enough because he wants to be close enough to Jesus maybe to figure out a jailbreak, maybe to just be there for him. I don't know what he's thinking, but he's there and he's close and he sees Jesus suffering. And he sees Jesus getting pummeled to the degree that his mother can't recognize him. The Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie, did not quite do it justice. It was more brutal than that. And he was pummeled till he was unrecognizable. And a little girl, teenage little girl says, hey, aren't you one of those guys who was with the gal- with Jesus? And the one who said, I'll never leave Jesus, I'll never walk away from Jesus, did. He did. You ever had your faith so shaken? Disappointments so great? Like questions that you can't answer. There cannot be a suffering savior. Messiah wins. Messiah conquers. Messiahs don't bleed. Messiahs don't die. And some of you, God, my kid isn't supposed to, I'm not supposed to be burying my kid. My kid is supposed to be burying me. God, I, I have this marriage in you. Why? Am I divorced? God, these kids I've raised with morals and standards, why are they fleeing so far from you? You know, when you have a category about God that you just can't answer, and no pithy answers and no pithy uh, responses are enough to alleviate the heartache in your soul. And the pain is deep. And the questions are hard. And the peace doesn't come. Jesus, where are you? Peter was in the same boat. He denies him three times. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And he walks away. And then, and then Jesus dies. We call it Good Friday, but it was anything but good that first day. It was a nightmare, dream breaker, hope destroyer Friday. It was all their dreams crushed to the ground. Good Friday it was not. And and Peter saw that and was devastated. Some of you have gone through experiences and you've just been devastated. Listen, I understand. Listen to me. Peter understands, but more importantly, Jesus understands your heartache, your hurt, your problems, your sin, those things that you, some of you are walking in Christ and you don't understand why you keep on falling to that same sin. Jesus says, I understand your heart. I understand. Jesus dies. Three days later, the impossible happens. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you know this, but everybody who dies stays dead. Is that like a new piece of information for y'all? I wonder if you know that. Like when you die, you don't... Like I know we live in like a really enlightened age and it's like science and all this other stuff and it's like, wow, we are so smart. But let me tell you something. Today or 2,000 years ago, dead people stay dead. Amen? Yes? Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Dead people stay dead. What changes a heartbreak like that? What changes, let me tell you something, what could change your circumstances in your marriage? What could change your broken heart about your kid? What could change that devastating feeling that you have about losing that loved one? Let me tell you something, nothing short of a resurrection. 
Nothing short than Jesus being raised from the dead. Listen, even if you don't believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, don't you want to? I mean, don't you have that desire? Like a person who will make all things new. A person who will give you new life. A person who will erase the guilt and the shame of the past. Don't you want that to be true? A person who will take the sin and the evil and the guilt and the shame. Some of you have guilt and shame about stuff that was done to you, not by you. The uncle who couldn't keep his hands to himself. The husband who didn't find you quite satisfying and went to woman to woman. The woman who said, that's it, I'm leaving. I mean, some of you. What could heal your broken heart? What could mend your broken heart? Listen, only a resurrection. And it happened. What could change the, the heart of Peter from being a guy who runs away? Only a person coming up from the dead. And that's what Jesus does. And it's at that point, after Jesus has risen from the dead, that we meet our heroes in John chapter, uh, chapter 21, verse 15. Now, before, before we go into that, I want you to hear this song about glory to God. And then I'm going to tell you the rest of this story. And I want to warn you, though. I want to warn you that at the end of this service, I'm going to ask you to give your broken heart to Jesus. I just, I, I don't, you know, no, no tricks up my sleeve. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be manipulative. I just want you to know that Jesus wants your broken heart. I have kids, beautiful kids. You'd love them if you knew them. They're special. I bet you have kids like that, right? At least when they're five or under, right? And they come to me sometimes. Have you ever had a kid break something and run to you? This is what they say to me. Papi, fix this. Listen. You, like a child, need to run to Jesus with your broken things. Maybe your heart. Maybe your past. And say, Papi, maybe your marriage. Maybe your heart. Papi, fix this. And this Papi can fix anything. So I want you, I want you to know, I want you to know that I'm going to ask you to give your broken things. I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus. It's coming. I want you to prepare your heart for that. And part of the way I want you to prepare your heart is I want you to listen to this song. Amen? There's going to be a moment in this service. Today, I'm going to give you permission. You can surrender your heart to Jesus and find him. Here's good news. He's looking for you. He's the one who brought you here. You thought it was the annoying co-worker. Or you thought it was the annoying in-law. No, no, it's Jesus who brought you here. And maybe it was a little bit of those in-laws and co-workers, but Jesus is the one who brought you here. So we see our heroes in John chapter 21. And everything that the worst that could have possibly happened happens. And Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to make, of all things, breakfast. Breakfast. I don't know. You rise from the dead. Not on top of my to-do list. Breakfast, that is, right? So he calls the guys and he calls them in and, you know, there's a little bit more story to it, but I'll just, you know, for brevity's sake, he calls them in and, and, he's, and he starts cooking breakfast. You know how Jesus makes breakfast? He goes, breakfast. And then it's there because it's Jesus and he can do that. Breakfast. Some of you will get that on the drive home. Okay, so um, verse 15. John chapter 21, verse 15. And hey, listen, we love you. If you haven't brought your Bible, we thought about you. We have the scriptures in your, um, uh, in your bulletin. And we'll also, for those of you who are over 40, we have them in really big letters on the screen, okay? So um, we'll do that. Uh, I want to, 
I'm using my emotional intelligence to endear myself to the over 40-year-olds, you know. Okay. So, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. It says this. When they had finished breakfast, because they were eating breakfast, Jesus had made breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, look at me. Listen, when someone fails you so miserably that you are just so disappointed in them and that they run away from you in your time of greatest need and you turn to them to say something, what is it that you turn to them and say? I bet it's not what Jesus is about to say. You dirty rotten, you said you'd be there for me. You, you know, you, you told me you'd be faithful and you did and you said and you did and you... Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Simon, son of John. Notice that he, notice that he calls him Simon. Little, little, um, just so you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. It was translated into the English language later on. But Simon is not the name that Jesus used with Peter throughout the ministry. He called him Peter. Simon means shifting, vacillating one. Peter means rock. He says, Simon, shifting, vacillating one, broken-hearted one, one who, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Look up, it's an incredible question. Because that's the question that Jesus is asking every single one here. What is the these? Now, the these that are there could be one of two things. It could be the people that are there, the disciples, or it could be the fish. See, Simon had gone back to fishing. Jesus didn't work out, so you know what he did? He went back to the family business. He went back to what he knew. Maybe some of you can identify. See, Jesus didn't work out the way he intended him to work out, so he just went back to what was comfortable. He just went back to what worked before. I think Jesus is pointing at the fish, and he's saying, Simon, hey, do you love me more than these? And these fish, then the catch of the day, then what you're used to. Some of you, some of you are used to illicit relationships. You're women and nobody told you that you're beautiful and that God made you special. And you think that by giving away your most treasured possession to men, that they'll give you the security that you need. Jesus would ask you, do you love me more than these guys? Some of you make your kids your idol. I mean, I mean, kids are, let me tell you something. Kids are real sweet, but they're horrible gods. Amen? Right? I mean, some of you have experienced this, right? You know, I I saw a commercial just recently, and every time I see the commercial with the kids, and the kids are around, I say, I smack the mouth off your face. You ever talk to me like this? The kid comes to the mother and says, like, minced, minced, you know, it's the fish commercial. Has anybody seen this? Minced, minced, uh, Never mind the child walking in front of the congregation. All right. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Do you remember that? Never mind the man behind the... Okay, sorry. Bad joke. Um, tried. Um, okay, so so she comes minced. You give me minced and all this other stuff. What would you do if that was your kid? I said, turn around. I'm going to give you something else. <laughs> no, not quite. Maybe. Um, but um, watch this. Children, wonderful Wonderful children, horrible God. Some of you have, have transformed your kids from good things to God things. And Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these? Do you? Some of you, listen, some of you have hopes and dreams. You have a career and you are overtimed out. And you are just maxing it out. And you're just trying to improve your career. And Jesus would come up to you and say, hey, You love me more than these? Jesus uses this wonderful Greek word, agape. Agape is unconditional love. Agape, you know a a, a language is deep on a particular subject when it has multiple words for one thing. In America, we have one word for love. The word is, anybody know? Yeah, I'm glad you're paying attention. Love, yeah. And so in America, so right, so you say with the same breath, I love my car. And I love my job, and I love my kids, and I love my spouse. And it never occurs to you to think that those are different, 
Like, you don't love your car the way you love your kids. I mean, I hope some of you guys do, but I hope not, you know. You don't love your, your wife the way you do your job. It's, it's different. Well, well, the Greek language had a difference. It had four different loves, right? I'll just tell you about three of them. It had, I'll tell you about two of them. Agape and phileo and eros. Let me tell you about eros. Eros is erotic love. That's like, I eros you. You know, I want to get with you. Va, 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 boom. That's what they did in the Greek clubs, you know. Hey, baby, you want to eros tonight? You know, we get our Greek word erotic from it, right? And then there's phileo. Everybody say phileo. Now, a little piece of information that can impress all of your friends back home. Um, Phileo is um, an affection, um, sort of like you have for your friends. It means also kiss, like, you know, um, I'm talking about like the kind of kiss that you give um, the people that come into your home. Hey, and that's like a phileo. We get, um, we, we, from that, we get Philadelphia, phileo, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, Right? Ooh, you learned something in church. Okay, so, and then there's agape. Agape is unconditional love. It's what mothers have for children. It's what God has for everyone. It's unconditional love. Jesus says, Simon, do you agape me? Listen, listen to Peter's response. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Now, before, Simon was, I I agape you. I'm down with you. I'll never leave. I'll die with you. I'll go to prison with you. Oh, so Simon, do you really agape me? Lord, you know, you know, I, I, I phileo you. Jesus hears that. This is gonna, this passage is gonna make sense to you. Some of you wondered, why did Jesus ask this question three times? It's gonna make sense to you in a minute. Verse 16, and then same verse 15. He said, feed my lambs. Don't you love that? Jesus gives the instruction. Oh, it's just phileo. Okay. Feed my lambs. That, is that all you got? You got a broken heart? God, I believe in you, but I really don't believe in you. God, I love you, but I really don't love you. God, I'm for you, but I really, you know, have you ever been like that? Okay, feed my lambs. Jesus comes back and he says, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know. He said to him, tend my sheep. Don't you love that? Do you love it? Here, I got something for you to do. By the way, if Jesus saves you, he'll have something for you to do. He didn't create you without a purpose. There's not, let me tell you something. Your mother and father may not have planned for you, but Jesus did. Listen, listen. There are, and you need to know this, and some of you, this is going to bring such healing if you receive this, and I pray in Jesus' name that you do. There are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. Jesus planned for you before the foundation of the world. And if he calls you, he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Do you agape me? Lord, you know all things. Verse 17. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? You see how it changed? Jesus is now using Simon's word. Do you phileo me? And you can understand why Peter's so broken. Jesus condescended. Isn't it true that some of you just, God, I want to believe, but I just feel so much doubt. I'm so scared. I don't know what it'll mean. Will I have to pass rice in China? Will I have to, you know, like, what does it mean to fall in love with you? I don't know. And, and Jesus says, you know what? Watch this. Listen to me. I'll Come downstairs. I'll come down to where you are. I'll be where you're at. Is this where you're, is it phileo? Are you fond of me? Have you thought, have you thought, oh, Jesus is a good idea, but you never really served him with all your heart? And well, Jesus says, I'll start where you start. I'll begin where you begin. Let's start there. 
Hey, Simon, do you phileo me? Peter replies. Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, and I love this because Peter's just so honest. And you could just... You could just hear the cracking in his voice, the tears streaming down his face. Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Listen to me. Jesus is calling you. And he calls you because he bought you. He bought you. Listen to me. There's a great story about um, a little boy who um, learned how to carve. And as he learned how to carve, he made this really cool sailboat. He made the sailboat, and what happens is that he put it on the water, and the sailboat got out of his reach. And he, it, it went, and he thought he lost it forever. He absolutely loved this sailboat. So he carved it. Could you imagine a little boy just learning how to carve? He carved it. He sanded it down. He, he painted it. It was just, he loved it. He would take it to, to go. And every day, that's what he would do. And he, he let it, but it went too far and he lost it. It went away from him, so he lost it. And then one day, he's walking in town and as he passes by uh, an antique um, or uh, um, a models store, he sees his boat. Someone had, obviously the owner had picked it up and, you know, put it on display because it was such a nice thing. And he came up to the owner and he said, that's my boat. And he goes, no, 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 that's my boat. I, I got it. I found it. Unless you have your name on it. It's, he goes, no, really, it's my boat. And, and the owner says, no, 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 it's my boat. And the little boy says, how much for the boat? And the man said, $20. And he goes home, and he scavengers all the money, and he asks mom, and he goes to dad, and he breaks his piggy bank, and he takes every penny, and he takes it out, and he just has 99 $20. And he takes his bag of money, and he brings it to him jingling, and he says, and he puts it on the counter. And the guy gives him a boat, and he has the receipt. And he grabs the boat, and he's holding the boat, and he's holding it dear to his chest. And he's saying, I love you. I love you two times. Because I made you and I bought you. Jesus. Jesus came down from heaven to a people who had run far, far from him. You and me. And he came. And he found out that the price was the paying of sin. He didn't find it out. He knew it. That's why he came. And Jesus today, on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, says, I love you two times because I made you and I bought you. I want you to give your heart to Jesus today because he made you and he bought you. And life is not going to make sense. I'm going to come back here. We're going to hear a testimony of somebody who just recently gave their heart to Jesus. And they're going to get baptized. How cool is that? Getting baptized on Easter Sunday? They're going to get baptized. After, listen to me. After you hear their story, I'm going to invite you to give your heart to Jesus as well. And then we'll be done. Don't worry. You won't be sitting there for two more hours. I promise. No more songs. All right? So, or maybe one or two more songs, but it will be faster. All right, so with that, I want you all, and by the way, okay, let me just say this. Baptism. Baptism does not make you saved. Quick disclaimer. Baptism does not make you saved. Baptism is something that you do after you are saved. All right, if you, some of you have heard this a million times from me. I'm married. I lost my wedding ring, um, so um, I didn't lose I shouldn't say it like that because then it sounds like I was doing something devious. Um, I, I was playing with my son, and it flew out. My wedding ring flew out into the pier. And we were playing on the pier, and it flew out, and my wife was there, so she, you know, saw it, and blah, blah, blah. All right. But if I had a wedding ring right here, if I had a wedding ring right here, is the wedding ring my wife? Of course not. Of course not. It's a symbol that I'm married, though. Listen to me. Baptism is not salvation. You don't get saved when you're baptized. You get saved when you confess your sins to Jesus. You tell him that I'm a, I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. And he says, I agree. 
more than you know. And he saves you, and you do a great exchange. Now listen, so Maureen's going to get baptized today, but she's going to tell you how she got saved, because you can't see what's happened on the inside. So I encourage you to listen in on that. This is going to be the coolest. Maureen, give her a warm welcome. Listen, listen, you're here and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you today. And God is saying, I don't want you to just leave having punched in to church and then punch out for another year. It's just, God doesn't want that for you. And so, listen, God wants you to follow him, to, get, to give him your broken heart, give him your hurt feelings. Give him the things that you're disappointed with. Give him your doubt. Give him your anger. Give him your frustration with what's happened. Give him who you are. And he'll take, like a good dad, he'll take that brokenness. Now, some of you right now in your mind, it's difficult. I don't have all my questions answered. You're saying to yourself, I don't know if I can do this. Listen, listen. It's not your job. It's his job. Just say, I'll let you lead. Come into, I'm a sinner. Nobody ever had to convince me that I was a sinner. I never needed anybody to go, you know, Edwin, remember in 1978? And remember in 1986? And remember in, like nobody ever had to do that for me. I don't know if I have to do that with you, right? Like, you know, you don't, you don't really think you're a good person, right? I mean, like, honestly, if we, if we put your stuff up on the screen, it'd be a little bit embarrassing, right? Yes, maybe a few of you? Yeah, some of you perfect people I worry about. Listen, 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 listen. Jesus wants your heart. He says, and I love this, because to Peter, he tells the truth to. Listen to what he says. Listen to how our, our passage closes. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. In other words, there, here's the problem. In the American church, everybody says if you just come to Jesus, you'll get health, you'll get wealth, you'll, your marriage will work out okay, your kids will never be bad. You, listen, listen, listen. Farthest thing from the truth. My life was easier when I was trying to be a Buddhist. Can I be real honest with you? It just was easier. I mean, I didn't have the battles that I have today. I, don't have the str I didn't have the struggles. It was okay that I was doing some of the things that I was doing because it was okay in that framework. Listen to me. Listen to me. What I'm not calling you to, a genie. A God who will be your... He won't be a butler. He won't be the one that you call and God has to hop to. He's not your kept man. What he is, is king and sovereign of the universe. And he says, here's what I know about you. Your biggest need is that you need your sins forgiven. You need a hope for living. And you need a place in heaven. Where else do you get a deal like that? Where else do you get a deal like that? He takes care of your past, your present, and your future. Your past, your sins, and your guilt, and your shame. It's forgiven. Your present. You get a purpose for living. And your future. You get a place in heaven. Your past forgiven, a purpose for living, a place in heaven. You just can't find a better deal than that, guys. I mean... What, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave here and live your life just trying to be a good person? So be good for goodness sake. Oh, I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't. See, in the, you're going to leave here, right? And you're going to try to be like an American Christian. Somebody pass me that. That's my final illustration. Right? And you're going to give your heart to Jesus. Right? It's kind of like, this is a helium um, tank, and like you press it in like that. 
And the beauty about helium is that when it comes inside, the very thing that it comes inside, it changes it, transforms it. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to take away your sin. He wants to address your life. He wants to poke in those places that you know you, he need, you need God to start poking in. Now watch this. You'll either walk through life surrendering to Jesus, living for Jesus, and he will take you to heights that you've never known. Or, you will be like the rest of America who thinks that, being, thinks that you'll go to heaven by being just a nice person. And we already established that you're not. Right? Isn't it true that you'd kill your husband if you could get away with it? Yeah, I know. You'd, listen, listen, if you wouldn't get caught, you'd have cheated on your wife by now. I understand. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I know. I read your mail. Listen to me. Listen. You'll either have Jesus be the one who fuels you, who saves you from hell, who gives you your past forgiven, purpose for living, and a place in heaven. Or you'll be like everybody else. Look a lot the same. Don't they look the same? Right? But you'll really just be full of hot air. Here's, I encourage you. Go with Jesus. Let me make the test easy for you. Go with Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out that yellow card that I asked you to in the beginning. Singers are going to come up because they're going to sing a dynamic song. Listen. You got that. And here's what I want you to do with that. I want you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable with, name, number, uh, emails big, you know, oh, and print clearly. Here's what I want you to do. There's a space on the bottom of that yellow card that, um, that you're going to be able to write. And here's what I want you to do. Here's two things that I want you to do as a result of this sermon. On the bottom here, by the way, this is our prayer request. On the bottom here, you can write prayer requests. You can write anything you like. You can write say. Gee, can we get that guy to stop talking that much? Or you can say, bathrooms smell wonderful. Keep up the good work. You can write any suggestion, anything that you want. But listen to me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give your heart to Jesus. And what do you mean by that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to confess him. Jesus, I've, and get specific with him. That Saturday night, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm ashamed of that. I'm pained by that. Listen to me. I want you... I want you to give your heart to Jesus. Listen. Ask him to come into your life and tell him, listen, I'm going to be in love under new management. I want you to call the shots in my life. I want you to give your heart to Jesus. Now, if you do that, if you do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply put a number one there. Would you just put a number one there? And just say, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. Jesus.